And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air, the official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where you will find news you won't find anywhere else on Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with Inside Sources. How does Delaware Valley Journal do it? With the help of Linda Stein, our news editor. Linda, greetings. Hi, Michael. Greetings. <laughs> so glad that you are here. We have a great guest, someone we've been trying to track down. In fact, we thought we may have to get like the uh, law enforcement involved to grab him and drag him to a microphone. He's been so reluctant to speak to us. But Auditor uh, General DeFore is with us here on the uh, Delaware Valley uh, Journal podcast. And uh, Auditor General uh, Timothy DeFore, before we start with what does the auditor do, which I'm sure is a question you are tired of answering, I want to start with the big picture. Uh, who are you? Where did you grow up? And how did you become the first African-American to win statewide office in Pennsylvania? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your on your show. And I I, I said yes, finally said yes. You guys were, were, weren't going to stop until I did say yes. Well, you were going to, you know, eventually there was going to be a van. Eventually a van was going to pull up outside. There'd be a guy with a bag. You know, we were going to make this happen somehow. Right, right. No, but it's it's an absolute pleasure being here. Um, a little bit about me. I'm a local guy. I, I grew up here in Harrisburg, just north of Harrisburg, a little community called Susquehanna Township, um, raised here with my five siblings and my parents. And, um, you know, as, as far as how I am and how I got here, you know, it's kind of interesting. So as a kid, I would always hear the adults talk about how their tax dollars were being spent. Mm -hmm. And um, that, I was always curious about that. So um, there was always that interest. I mean, could I say back then that I wanted to be an auditor or fraud investigator? Absolutely not. But I was always curious about that. So as I got older, I realized what I wanted to do in my life. And I've been blessed in my career, um, whether it be with the inspector general's office investigating fraud, waste, and abuse, whether it be with the attorney general's office um, investigating prescription fraud, healthcare fraud, or whether it be in the private sector as an internal auditor and um and as a fraud auditor as well. So I, I've always knew, known what I've wanted to do. And um, I've been blessed to do the same type of work for my entire career. I'm an auditor. And there are not too many people that that back well, um, back can say that, that they've been an auditor entire career, but I'm blessed to to have that. Right. Oh, but um, let me ask you, what did, what about your family? What did your parents do? Did they were they like math people? Were they nosy? No, were they anything? No, <laughs> they 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 were not. My father worked at um, New Cumberland Army Depot. Mm -hmm. He was um, his responsibility were to make sure that um, boxes and supplies that were being shipped out were being that they were um, that the correct information was on them and that they were going to the correct place. And my mother worked at nights at a nursing home, so she could be home during the day to take care of the, the right. six of us. So I come six. from, a, there, there are six, six kids. Which there's one are you? Um, I am number three. Yeah. So I was kind of the middle child, the one that always used to get in trouble. <laughs> well, before I hand you off to Linda, that would have been my guess because the middle child is the one who's watching the other kids. The they, older they, kids they, are they, off doing stuff and the younger kids are causing trouble. And then the middle kid is watching everybody and ratting them out. So that's, they, that's a good job for an auditor. Yes, it is. <laughs> Linda? Yes, hi. Um, hey, Linda. Auditor General DeFore, can you please tell us what exactly an Auditor General does? I don't think most people really know or even think about it. There are a lot of people who unfortunately don't know what the Auditor General does. So as I go out and speak to the different people, 
I constantly talk to them about what the Auditor General does. So here it is in a nutshell. Our responsibilities, we follow the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code, which gives us our, our authority to do our job, and it lays out what we are supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. Great thing about the Fiscal Code, it doesn't say Republican Auditor General do one thing and a Democrat Auditor General do another thing. It simply says the Auditor General shall do this, and the shell is to audit the debtors of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What does that mean? Anybody receiving state funds, could be a state department, it could be a quasi-state government agency, or it could be just an outside organization that is funded by, by um, state tax dollars. It is our responsibility that the funds they receive are being spent the way they're supposed to be spent. And also the programs that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania supports financially, that those programs are in fact very, that are running efficiently and running the way they're supposed to, and that they're not wasting tax dollars. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much what the what the Department of Audit does. Well, one of the uh, big entities you audited was the Turnpike, right? That, that is correct. And, and um, find out. And so, so about, about that audit, one of our, we audit the turnpike every four years. We are legally required to audit the turnpike. And there are some audits that we are statutorily required to do. The turnpike's one of them. And our job was to make sure that, well, that's the question. Is the turnpike running, running efficient, efficiently? If not, why? So when we performed the audit of the turnpike, we had discovered that the turnpike was $11.2 billion in debt. When we reported that initially, people were upset at the turnpike. We said, well, wait a minute, let's look at the facts. And the facts were, is that the turnpike, um, even throughout the pandemic, did everything humanly possible to make sure that they were running efficiently. But the turnpike for years, and I'm going to go back to 2007, the turnpike had to give a large majority of its earnings to the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. And when that happened, it caused the turnpike to go in debt because they then had to take out loans to pay the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. So it wasn't necessarily the turnpike that got itself in trouble. It was a bad piece of legislation. That's a crazy th system. I'm sorry? I said, that's a crazy system. That, that, that is a crazy system. And <laughs> that, that issue has been resolved as far as the turnpike having to give a large chunk of money to, to um, PennDOT. But that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that the turnpike is still in debt because of that. So one of the things that we recommended to the legislature is that you have to help the turnpike um, resolve, resolve this problem. And another thing that, that we discovered during the audit is that um, the toll by plate was not necessarily working the way that it's supposed to. And um, let's say if you, you don't have the easy pass and that you go through a turnpike class, well, there's a reader that's supposed to catch your tag and then send you a bill. Well, that wasn't working the way they were supposed to. And the reason why it wasn't supposed to, wasn't working the way it was supposed to work is because the reader wasn't necessarily, um, couldn't, couldn't take a photograph and couldn't find out who the driver was that was driving through. And especially if the driver was from out of state, the driver would never receive a bill saying, hey, you've got ah. travel your turnpike so you, you owe this this much money so wow. one of the things we recommended is that we work with other states have some other states have worked with other states to find out who those individuals are because you, you can't you can't travel the turnpike for free just absolutely can't do that 
So I want to ask you the Willie Sutton question, if I can, uh, Auditor General DeFore. You know, Willie Sutton, they asked him, why did he rob banks? He went, well, that's where the money is. If you're auditing a government, particularly a the state of Pennsylvania, and you're looking for waste, fraud, abuse, et cetera, where's the money? In other words, where where do you think is the place where there's the most need for oversight, where taxpayers' dollars are most at risk? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw out something. Something okay. there's a a phrase that we use called internal controls. So okay. as far as looking at one specific spot, um, it's it's really, it, it's basically whoever has the largest budget. <laughs> let's, let's just put it out there. Whoever has the largest budget. But in order to stop the, the individuals who want to get something in which they are not entitled to, which is pretty much the definition of fraud, you have to have the proper internal controls. What are internal controls? policies, regulations on how a government entity, or it could be a business, how they're supposed to operate and um, and how they how they protect their assets, assets okay. being resources and financial resources. The stronger internal controls you have, the less chance, or, or you're, makes you less vulnerable for somebody coming in and taking Got something it isn't necessarily theirs. So you have to have strong internal controls. And if you have strong internal controls, and if you have internal controls, it also makes it easier to audit. Because when you audit, what do you audit? You audit laws, policy, regulations, and internal controls. So if you if everything is working in this audit ecosystem, right. the way it's supposed to work, then there's, there's going to be less of a chance of, um, of somebody robbing or right. somebody taking taking money that they shouldn't have. Okay, well, let me give you my Willie Sutton concept. We have a uh, national health emergency and the federal government dumps a gazillion dollars on the state of Pennsylvania and lets the state of Pennsylvania give that out to people just because they need it or because, you know, it's times are tough. And so they, once you have a big sack of loose money sitting around like that, I got to assume, and we've seen national reports on how much of the PPP money has was absconded with how many people filed claims for uh for cash payments who were in fact you know bots in romania and ukraine and and asia and elsewhere how did pennsylvania do during the covid uh you know spending spree and is there still covid money out there that we should be trying to claw back or or protect we're we're still finding that out we're still finding that out so um and so i'm going to go back my my auditing career began in healthcare. So, and and right now, as we're talking, there are individuals out there trying to, let's say, scam the system, right? Because right. Um, for 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 whatever reason, let's say prescription drug diversion. And um, and I'm going to go back to what I said about having the proper internal controls and individuals who, who where the money's supposed to go to. You, or whatever services are supposed to go to. One of the things that you have to do up front is to make sure that those individuals are the individuals who are supposed to be receiving those funds or those services. So you have to have, again, the internal controls and the policies in place to make sure that somebody says, if somebody says that there's somebody who's supposed to be receiving funds, you better make sure that that is the person who's supposed to be receiving those funds. Because when you're talking about fraud, whether it's healthcare, whether it's COVID relief dollars, once those funds are distributed, it could be distributed from 
um, the state, it could be distributed from the federal government. Once those funds are distributed to their end, if it's going to fraudsters, those funds are gone. Yeah. And and oh. even even if if you say let somebody let's say somebody stole um, let's see thirty million dollars um, worth of of healthcare funds that they were not entitled to, you could um, find out who they are, prosecute them, they could plead guilty, and they could be ordered to pay a restitution. And uh, and it could be up to thirty million dollars, and let's say it could be another five million dollars on top of that. You're still going to get back pennies on a dollar. You you are never going to be made whole. Wow. So, so what about the school districts that you had audited too? That they were just hanging on to money and then raising taxes on people. Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the things that we did with regards to that, and this is something that had been um, had been discussed for for years. And we finally to, to, um, decided to perform the audit. And what it was was that um, certain school districts, I'm not going to say all school districts because there's 700 school districts in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Some school districts were losing a loophole into law in, in, the, uh, in the state law to, to raise revenue through taxes without putting a, um, a referendum out to the taxpayers. How are they doing this? They were saying that they didn't have enough money to to provide things like um retirement or for special education so they needed to raise taxes and the problems that we saw in some of these school districts is that they did in fact have enough revenue to cover those services but what they would do they would move funds from one account to another account giving the appearance that they didn't have any money That's so one sneaky. of the yeah, so one of the things that we did when we performed that audit is um, we identified that. We, um, we simply made a recommendation to the, to the legislature to tighten up the laws so that this does not, um, this does, does not happen. And one of the things that we were, um, we were asked about is in, with regards to this is that when the Department of Education makes the decision to, to allow the school districts school districts to do this and the school and the department of education you know believes the school district that they're doing the right thing but one of the things that the department of education is looking at is that they are looking at the um the budget and the budget is is fine you should look at the budget but if you really want to find out about how a school district or any governmental governmental entity how they are spending um spending tax dollars you have to look at the financial statements the financial statements, and that's what we used in these audits. The we looked at the budget, but we also looked at the financial statements. The financial statements tell the story about how funds were actually spent, if they were moved, if they're reallocated. All that information is going to be in the financial statements. So that's what we looked at. We looked at the budget, but we also looked at the financial statements because the financial statement is the end result of how a school district would um would use use these funds. Now, you know, these school district districts did not break the law. I want to make that clear. They did not break the law. But we felt that the law that's currently in place could be cleaned up a little bit, made a little clearer. And this, okay. if, if you're going to raise taxes, look, um, put a referendum out. Unless it's an emergency, and that's that's a whole other whole other story. Put a referendum out to um to the taxpayers. Because well, you, you were also uh, starting a program to uh, help kids uh, learn to handle finances, be yes. smart, or be money smart. 
one of my passions, one of my passions for years has been financial literacy. This is about preparing the next generation. Um, when I was in high school, you know, one of the things that we we had to do, we had to take home ec classes and take, had to take shop classes. Home ec classes, well, because we had to learn to cook, we had to learn to sew. Shop classes, because we had to learn to use wood tools and we had to learn to use metal tools. It was considered a, um, a life skill. Right. Finance is a life skill. No matter what you do in your life, you're going to have to understand understand finances. And um, so we we have traveled across the state, gone to school districts in Scranton, Erie, Westmoreland County, Lancaster County, Philadelphia, talking to and holding press conferences with different schools and organizations that are actually teaching financial literacy because they see the importance. Well, let me ask you, and what is... What, and also what, one other thing that I want to add. Right, sure. Uh, there's a house built by, by Senator, Senator Gephardt. It's a financial literacy bill. I believe it's it's House Bill, um, Senate Bill 647, where it requires that I believe um, a half a credit hour mm -hmm. for seniors, half, um, half a credit hours that seniors have to take in high school um, of financial literacy. And I think that's a fantastic bill and I fully support it. So what's a misconception that you run into when you talk to people, young people or otherwise about finances, money, economics, how things work? Because, like, for example, one of the things that I find fascinating is how little the younger people I talk to understand the concept of interest, interest rates, you know, and th that the idea that 3%, for example, the conversation going on right now about inflation. Well, inflation's down. It's down to 4%. Well, wait a minute. But that's 4% higher on top of the 9% you had last year, which is on top of the, you know, 3% you had to, that, that's this idea of the aggregating. It's hard for them to get their mind around it, and they don't seem to be familiar with it. Do you want to know what blew my mind? Okay. It's the support. It's the support from students. Students want to learn it. Students want to learn it. And there are teachers out there who want to teach it. There are actually, and I, I forgot what school district this was. I believe it was, was in somewhere in, in Westmoreland County, where um, a, the teacher who teaches financial literacy was retired from a I forgot the, the type of business, but he retired and he wanted to teach because he wanted to teach financial literacy. So the students wanted, students wanted, um, the parents, the, um, the parents wanted, and there's organizations out there that, um, that wanted as, as well. They, we, right now we're working with, we've worked with Chase Bank in, um, in Philadelphia. We've partnered with Members First here in, um, in in central Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania State Employees Trade Union, um, promoting and talking about financial right. literacy. But the one thing that surprised me is the amount of support and the want and the need to teach financial literacy. I did not expect all the support that that is out there that was out there. Well, please explain to my daughter that when the dress was $100 and she got it for $50, it wasn't free because she <laughs> bought it with the $50 she saved. Yeah, that right. is not... Yeah. It's not how it works. That'll be very Yeah, that's a conversation helpful. I have with that's a conversation <laughs> I have with dad. <laughs> well, bring her over. I'd be more than happy to sit down and talk to her. Talk to her. Well, Auditor General Timothy DeFore, uh, who you're running for re-election uh, next year. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. We really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, 
sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.